Welcome to Training Room Talk, where we discuss all things performance, rehab, and education. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Training Room Talk. I'm Dr. John Herding here with Dr. Nick Pirgini, Robert Bina, and Dr. Ray Carr. Um, we brought back Bill Ewe again. Thanks for coming, Bill. No problem. Thanks for having me. First episode was fire. If you guys haven't already listened to it, he, he brought the heat talking about what he set up in his physical education class at the middle school level. Um, and he's more than willing to share with anyone. So check that out if you haven't listened to it. Today we're going to talk about some of the um, problems he sees with just basic adolescent movement and some of the things he's correcting on a daily basis in um, the kids that come through his class. So um, we'll go to him to talk about um, some of his glaring concerns and the things he sees on a daily basis that he's addressing the most. All right. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being back. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I hope to get some uh, insights uh, from you guys. Uh, who deal with movement patterns and especially Rob who deals with uh, professional athletes on a regular basis movement way. Um, but a big thing that I see typically, and it, it seems to be getting more and more prevalent in the, uh, the students that I teach and I'm catching them and you know, like the 12, 13 year old level is um, one of the biggest things I see all the time. And I try to address as soon as they walk in my door, the first time that I have them is, is the issue with like walking and moving with like duck feet. I call it, it's like their toes pointed out. Um, and it, it just seems to be like a regular thing that I see. Um, the other thing, huge um, as far as movement patterns is, is skipping, hopping, uh, getting into uh, you know a squat position. Like if you were going to sit down in a chair, stand back up out of a chair. Um, any type of locomotor skill, uh, galloping, jumping rope, those types of things are are just seem to become non-existent. Um, in our athletes that we have. And I mean, when I first started teaching phys ed, I, I taught at the elementary level. And uh, I mean, the majority of our curriculum was based on locomotor skills, spatial awareness, movement patterns, you know, being aware of what's around you. And uh, on a regular basis, I mean, I, I have to teach that to seventh and eighth graders, you know, moving around the 1100 square foot box, you know, making sure that they're not tripping over kettlebells or, you know, that they can do a two legged broad jump and land with their knees bent. So I don't know how we fix it. I mean, I don't know what you guys have seen, or Rob, I'm sure you see a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty much, I am totally agree with everything you just said. I think it's it's definitely a uh, problem with a lot of our youth athletes where they just can't do the basics right. And, and the basics to me break down to a couple different facets. They break down to um, just basic calisthenics, like high knees, back pedals, karaoke, power skips, side shuffling, like all these things that you know, are used to be incorporated into team practices or recesses or PEs. Like, you know, kids cannot do these basic things. Um, but yet they come to me looking for goals such as, like, I want to get faster. Well, how are you going to get faster if you can't skip? Like, I've had multiple kids just, like, can't coordinate arms and legs, reciprocations, skipping left to right. It's, um, it's definitely a problem. Um, so... You know that's something that needs to be addressed and 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 added to anyone's training program if you're working with a any sort of youth athlete. Um, the other area that I also see that I've also kind of incorporated is just like basic jump rope skills. Um, now jump rope I think does require a little bit of skill and kind of practice, but 
it's not it's not that hard. Um, basic just two leg hopping, moving your arms, moving the jump rope, like hopping in place. Um, you know, yeah, you're gonna mess up every once in a while, but you know, another problem is just like getting kids to coordinate upper and lower body together. There's a lot of good things that's happening. Good upright posture, nice stiff trunk, like and hopping and creating some low level plyometrics. That's what that's what jump rope is. And you know, for low level plyometrics, it's great for a youth or athlete who's developing. We've all seen this, the baby deer walk into our gym and I'm sure in class where they're growing, their body's developing and changing and they can't control themselves in space at all. So one of the other issues that I've seen with the youth athlete is just body, they need constant feedback of where their body is in space. So ways we try to tackle that in the gym are um, whether it's just like videotaping their exercise or maybe you know a lot of people don't like mirrors but for an athlete who needs to see themselves, a mirror is money in the bank because they can see themselves do an exercise and get immediate feedback. Um, you know, for deadlifting, sometimes using a stick on the back so they can feel where their spine is in space and they can learn how to hinge properly um, are all great tools that I use to help tackle this just like poor body awareness, body control, poor motor control of where their body has, is at in space. Um, and it makes me wonder, like, how are they playing sports? You know what I mean? Like, you get kids in to the gym, and it's like, you play sports? How is that possible? I, I agree. Like, I mean, in some cases, like, they've got a sweet swing, and they can rotate through their hips and everything, and you put a jump rope in their hand, and it's like a circus comes down. You know, and it's scary and it's crazy. And I don't know if you see this, but I see this also in some of the athletes that come in. And I don't know whether this is a sports-specific thing because they're, they're going to a lot of lessons and, and they're paying lots of money nowadays to be coached into these sports-specific skills. If you're seeing, like, almost like these things that you try to incorporate are, like, below them. Like, uh, I know some of my athletes that I, I uh, you know, coach – you know, hey, get a jump rope. You want to have quicker feet. You want to have a better, you know, time to second base. Learn how to jump rope. And they look at you like, well, I don't need to do that. You know, I have That's the crazy. University of uh, North Carolina looking at me because I went to this showcase and jumping rope. I did, I did that in elementary school. But yeah. they can't jump rope. They can't. Yeah, it's 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 skills that need to be need to be attained if your goal is to be the best athlete possible. It's the foundation. Yeah. They got right. they they need they need foundation of all exercises, of all movements, sprinting, jumping, skipping, you know, broad jumps. Like you mentioned broad jumps. I think that's a I, I use that test all the time and I'll have kids literally like my instructions are jump off two feet, land on two feet. And they cannot do that. They jump off, they move one leg forward and take a step and jump with their legs staggered. It's like no, that's not it's not a broad jump. Like keep your feet where they are. Down, up, jump as far as you can. And they can't do that. No, so I, I use that as a test too. And, and like a lot of times, the first time they'll take the test in the first week, I don't even tell them or give them instruction. I don't even show them what it is. It's just like jump off two feet, you know, no incorporation of upper body. And then you have to actually teach it because they can't get an arm swing down. They can't load, take off. Do you use a lot of video and stuff? Uh, I know I put some stuff on projectors when I'm trying to, you know, teach something so the kids can actually see it. I don't know if that's because of the – phone that is constantly in front of their face all the time is it they're visual learners and they they don't climb and trees and fall out and figure it out and yeah like we used to i think videos are, are a great way to provide feedback to the athlete as to where they're at in space what they look like so they can understand like what you're telling them so like a youth athlete i don't try try not to use a ton of 
you know, um, verbal cues. Like, it doesn't matter whether it's internal, external. For a youth athlete, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know where they're at. Verbal cues are kind of kind of useless. So videos are great. Using the mirror, using outside feedback sticks, whatever it might be, the ground for you know more of like supine core variations. The ground gives feedback as to where their spine's at in space. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely incorporate a lot of that. And I think just seeing other athletes move. Um, I mean, ultimately, kids just aren't getting out, aren't moving as much anymore uh, in today's society. Uh, and I mentioned before, I think that, you know, I mean, back when we used to play basketball back in the day, seeing a kid jump a certain way, cut a certain way, like I would like put that in my memory bank and, um, you know, almost use it to help me, myself move better. So um, kids aren't out there interacting in the neighborhood as much anymore. And I think it's leading to uh, a lot of these like, you know, underdeveloped uh, motor skills that you guys are seeing. Yeah, and I think you even take that a step further and go a little deeper with like motor milestone development, right? Like we all know it, regardless of the child, there's an ingrained central nervous system pattern where a kid's going to roll before he crawls or crawls before he comes up and cruises around the table. And then once he has a balanced cruising, he's going to take a step away from the table and start to walk. And then as he gets to like two and three years old, he's going to develop the balance to you know, walk upstairs, like stand on one leg as he moves a, a step higher or down. Um, then as they get to three and four, they're going to learn to stand a little bit better on one foot. Like there's basic motor milestones that regardless of the person, kids are going to hit at certain points, right? Um, and when kids are missing the opportunity to meet those motor milestones because um, TVs become the babysitter and they're, they're sitting down more often and they're not getting out, um, to explore just standing on one leg like even when we were playing simon says when we were little simon says stand on one leg like that's going to set the foundation for what bill and rob you guys are trying to do with these adolescents like if these kids never got those opportunities because they're um less active as we may have been when we were younger um you guys brought up reference a little bit um the couch gives someone great reference right because the couch is giving them support if they're not getting off a couch and standing on one leg or, or playing around with skipping and hopscotch and stuff when they're younger, like they're, they're not setting that movement foundation for by the time they want to train to improve performance. So you guys are having to backtrack and almost break through patterns they've ingrained as be, they've become more specific than their generalization early on allows, if that makes sense, right? Um, so that's going to be harder. It's harder for you guys to break those patterns and teach um, jumping on two legs than it is for maybe a kid who's three, four, five years old learning how to hop and skip rope and jump on two legs. Like hopscotch has more value than we really think it does. Oh, there's no sure. doubt. I mean, standing on one leg for some of my kids is like climbing Mount Everest. Yeah. Like seriously. I mean, <laughs> it's a monumental task. And that's on their dominant foot. Not necessarily their, you know, non-dominant. I think it would be really cool to go back and look at how that kid spent his first couple years of life and see if it impacted how he is now when he's 12. Like, was he a kid that TV babysat? Or was he a kid that was out running around the neighborhood and to see if there's, like, correlation there? And there may or may not be, but it's a theory, right? Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, it's crazy. There has to be a correlation, though, because... With some of the students that I see and thinking back and comparing them to, like, the group of people that I typically played and grew up with, like, we, we were like Michael Jordan and, you know, we were the professional level compared to 
kids that I'm seeing now based upon how far behind they are. I mean, yeah. we did all kinds of things. I mean, we ride bikes. There's kids that I've taught that don't know how to ride a bike. You know, I, I mean, that would have never happened for us growing up. No, that was your primary means of transportation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we didn't get around, you know. Yeah. One car in the family, that was usually at work, you know. Yeah. You want to get somewhere, you either ride or run. I didn't like running too much, though. And I, I, feel, I feel like these uh, those milestones are something that, I know I end up bringing a lot, or bring bring up often in in the PT setting is, you know, people look at you crazy when you're we talk about you know how important it is to be able to you know lunge or even like get up off the floor, right, or or squat or perform a hinge pattern and these these basic movements that you know we think are important, but a lot of other people look at you like what like what is that? It's it's not it's not even in their mind that this is a pattern that they can do and they don't see why it's important. Um, until usually it's too late. Like, I mean, we, we treat you know, general population. We also treat athletes, but just someone who's, you know, dealing with some knee pain or, or low back pain and doesn't have any you know, recognition of, of, the, of these patterns or, or their importance. I mean, this can be taught in your setting. It can be taught as early, you know, early as uh, elementary school or even younger. So just the fact that, that you have the opportunity to, you know, influence you know, someone's life by introducing these simple, you know, patterns is, is such a, it's such a cool thing that you, that, um, that, that you're able to do. Well, it'd be really cool to actually see if a school, you know, could actually incorporate, you know, a PT or a movement coach or something like that into their actual structure. I wonder what the impact would be on healthcare and people coming with down with certain injuries. If they were taught at a very young age, okay, Hey, we've got these deficiencies here, you know, Hey, it's in part of the actual education system, you know, because but, essentially the school is supposed to be a support staff for all the people that you're serving in your community. So it would just be, I mean, would that ever happen? I have no idea, but it would be kind of cool to actually see if those things could be fixed and would that change all the mess that we now have in healthcare. I don't even think you need a movement professional, to be honest. Like you could have a teacher in an elementary school when she starts to feel like she's losing the kids because they've been sitting for an hour. Get up, hop on two feet, hop on your right foot, hop on your left foot, hop back and forth, hop forward and back on one foot, do a couple jumping jacks, and they're going to increase their energy level. They're going to be working on those movement skills that will impact brain health for learning. And then it takes 30 seconds to a minute. Kids have a little bit more energy, and then they're back engaged in the lesson. Like, that's easy enough. Um, You know, we know teachers that have gotten rid of chairs, and the kids are sitting on stability balls now, or I know there's movements for standing desks and stuff and um you know I, th- I think some of the things coming out of that are teachers are anecdotally saying that the kids are more engaged because you know there, there's more variability in their day-to-day life than typically sitting in the chair or staring at a chalkboard i'm gonna write that down i have my wife do one minute motor skills every day yeah. So then my, my kids come to me and they can actually jump rope. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Every day, one-minute motor like skills. your movement snack, right? Movement yeah, Mr. Yeah. Wee's lit class, one-minute motor skills. What do you call them, one-minute snacks? Movement snacks. Oh, movement movement snacks. snacks, I like that. Yeah. All right. And, and I think like – I can't wait to tell her when I get home. Um, movement snacks being served. Look at energy, yeah. And kids <laughs> that like are lacking energy throughout the day, like – you can feel it in yourself if you just stand up from sitting and they jump around like energy you know central nervous system ramps up a little bit and you get your energy back um you know here am i talking about maybe you don't need as much caffeine but if you move a little bit you get energy right no doubt when you work out you have more energy throughout the day not to mention in the education setting that is cross-curricular 
Yeah. So you are like scoring major points with the education system and supervisors. Right. So. Connect, connecting all yeah, the dots. Connecting it all across curricular right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little lit movement, movement yeah. lit. Or maybe you, you have someone like you, you just walk around classes in an off period and say, all right, time for the snack. Everybody up. Do your <laughs> thing. Movement snacks. Well, I don't I, I, I do think, you know, I really, I really meant what I said, though, like, even when I when I came in for career day at one time, I mean, you, you never know, like, you could change someone's entire life by introducing, like, these patterns, right? And you can and you can save them, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars in healthcare spending by just simply teaching someone how to move at this young age and making it fun, right? Well, oh, that's yeah. That's a big well, thing. Well, that's, like, some of the positions that you've had me in rehab. It's like, I wish I had learned them when I was, like, nine or ten because then I maybe wouldn't have been in so much pain when I went home the other night trying to like you know soreness not bad pain good pain you know like I was trying to activate certain muscle I'm like I can't I look I, like a two-year-old you know and I don't understanding think it and, I, don't, I don't even think you're coaching it you're not like oh you have to squat perfectly or you have to lunge perfectly it's just do it yeah just go pick up this this ball by touching a knee to the ground or try standing on one foot or try just stand on this foot like you right. said Nick make it fun um you know I, with my kid, I'll, I'll race you to go get the ball. Like, you know, he gets a quick, short interval, whatever. Like, he always wins too, right, John? He probably at this point, yes. Um, oh, if you don't let him win, you, you hear about it. Um, but yeah, and and part of the re- way I look at it is, if he's four years old and sprinting, getting his heart rate up a little bit now, he's going to have that capacity to do it when he's ten, maybe a little bit more than the kid that wasn't doing it when he's four, right? And that speaks. The more you can be variable in your movements at a younger age, the more your brain during its plastic state is going to be able to adapt when you're 10, 11, 12 years old because you've opened up those pathways that if you haven't opened them up when you're 10, 11, 12, it's going to be harder for you guys to teach. Well, I think it was the key word you said over there was like fun because I remember going upstairs and pulling sleds with some of the things you had me doing and Rob's group was up there and they're playing spike ball. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to be pulling the sled. I want to be playing spike ball. You know what I mean? And it's just a Best. silly game, but I mean – but Talk think about the things you're developing. Athletic movement, that. coordination, and all those things. And if you make it fun and you kind of switch things up and give people a choice on a regular basis, I think it helps us. Especially in, in my setting where you're dealing with education. I mean, you kind of almost have to fool the kids into thinking that it's not fitness, but it is fitness. Right. But, I mean, everybody wants to have fun. When people ask me what's my favorite agility exercise, you know what I tell them? Spike ball. Spike ball. It's awesome. I mean, no, seriously, it's it's – a lot of good benefits from from having fun, from playing games, from keeping things competitive. I think that's how we try to correct some of this the youth issues that we've been seeing. Are you know try to follow those things and you know if you can teach them how to skip, jump, jump rope, hinge, squat, push up, whatever along and along the ways. Um, and and you as the coach are focusing on the on the positives of what they're doing because we all know not everyone's form is going to be perfect at the age of 12, 13, 14, 11 you know, however old they are. Um, but as long as you as the coach are focused on the positives and they know what they're doing is good and right and correct and and you reward them however you want to reward them. I, I'm a big fan of high fives. You know, I think giving an athlete a high five after they just crush a set or they, they just tweak their technique to what I was telling them to doing um, and they succeed and they connect on that high five, good things happen. Well, I think, how would you guys feel about calling, if someone has a zero training age, they're 12 years old, they haven't been active, like if you're not, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter if they're an athlete or not, and it's like, you're not going to overcoach them, you're going to let them explore the movement first a little bit, and then when it's time to load them, then you'll probably coach a little bit more, right? Yeah, 
Well, actually, I um, one of the things that I started doing last year was like the obstacle course things. Like I put a couple like instead of them doing like a regular workout, I put a couple boxes there and like a mat and was just like, okay, you're gonna box jump, land, box jump, forward roll, bear crawl. And the kids looked at me like I was out of my mind, you know, because it was just like, well, what's this going to do? And I'm like, it's just big. Just have fun with it. And I mean, and then once they realized that their forward rolls were like, they had no idea how to forward roll. And we got over the issue of, you know, broken necks and all that possibility stuff, you know, because some of them was just like, oh, my gosh, holy cow. All right. Well, we better show a little bit of a forward roll. But it was fun, though. The kids were like, you know, they got into it going, you know, and it was teaching basic stuff that, you know, we see those kids having such a hard time with yeah. um but it was fun it was something different you throw at them like did they goofy. release inhibition a little bit and have fun together oh like, yeah yeah, yeah. and it was like, all in and everybody started you know like watching everybody else's forward rolls because okay who's got the best forward roll and then you know it was it was it was good That's but awesome. it was it was a an interesting eye opener though to see you know some things that you take for granted that kids can do and they can't really do anymore yeah. they can't do so the way to fixing movement, adolescent movement problems is exploration. Would you agree? And spike ball. And spike ball. Because <laughs> spike ball is everything. Uh-huh. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Bill, for bringing your passion to our podcast. Um, if people want to get a hold of you to discuss some how you're implementing um, some of this stuff in your, your PE program at middle school, how can they get a hold of you? You can shoot me an email. It's uh, William Ewe Jr. Jr. at uh, gmail.com, all lowercase. Um, I'm on Instagram, Junior EWP. I think that's what it is. And uh, or they can get a hold of you here and then just shoot them my uh, my contact info, my cell phone, and things like that. But I'd be more than happy to help. Uh, you know, as far as the PE setting is concerned, or getting it in education. Cool. Appreciate it, Bill. Um, as always, guys, if you like the stuff we're putting out, um, please share with a friend or two. Um, we're trying to spread the word. If you like what we're doing, um, help us help us get out there so that we can we can keep providing good quality content. Um, so until next time, guys. Thanks. Right field or left field is standing there, getting no work or no activity at all. You know, and then you incorporate the heart rate monitors and things like that. And all these kids now have the Apple Watches. That's like even better than the heart rate monitors you spend all the money on heart rate monitors i just say oh how many kids have apple watches or fitbits <laughs> oh okay just keep track of it nice you know good stuff uh, so it's just kind of being creative and just trying to get as much movement as you can i think and and keep fighting for it because there's a lot of school districts that are that are whacking uh pe programs i mean uh evan burns the uh athletics i don't know if you guys have seen him and what he's been doing the last two weeks or three weeks he's like riding his bike and running across america for mm-hmm. physical education like yeah. his kid was at a, a school that they took phys ed away so he's like getting on this like crazy crusade to uh to raise money and and started a foundation so i mean if you keep fighting for it there's no way they can take it away yeah and it's it's crazy that they they are given the the state of academics and the country and the correlations between physical activity and improved performance in school it's, um, but anyway, Bill, thank you for your time today. Appreciate having me here. Um, if anybody enjoy. has questions about how they can get started with this kind of stuff or, or um, look for your input on how they can impact their, their programs a little bit more, is there a way you'd like them to get a hold of you? Yeah, they could get a uh, hold of me. They could email me. Uh, my email is williamewejr, all lowercase, at gmail.com. Um, on Instagram, they can uh, – I think it's junior ewb. 
on Instagram. Uh, like they can yeah. get a hold of me. I mean, you can get a hold of John. I mean, yeah. you can shoot him my information. And guys, don't like be that. afraid to reach out. Bill's Bill's all about talking to anyone and anyone, everyone and anyone he can. To yeah, anyway, I can help. Super I mean, passionate. I've got six years of binders and all kinds of crazy stuff. So if anybody needs any help, uh, I'd be more than happy to help. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Bill. Until next time, guys. Thanks.